Good day to you, and welcome to the podcast for the Union Street Meeting House. In this podcast, we will be sharing messages from our weekly worship services. Union Street Meeting House is a Christian ministry that introduces people of all ages to Jesus Christ and recalls those who once knew Him back into an intimate, vibrant, living relationship with Him. We are a house for Christian fellowship and personal growth. You are always welcome here at Union Street Meeting House. Let's go into this week's message right now. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Good to see everyone. Amen. If you would, open your Bibles with me this morning to Isaiah. And we're going to look at Isaiah 35 this morning. Isaiah 35. We're going to read the whole chapter, which is only 10 verses, 1 through 10. Isaiah 35. It says this, The wilderness and the desert will be glad, and the Arabah will rejoice and blossom like the crocus. It will blossom profusely and rejoice with rejoicing and shout of joy. The glory of Lebanon will be given to it. The majesty of Carmel and Sharon, they will see the glory of the Lord, the majesty of our God. Encourage the exhausted and strengthen the feeble. Say to those with an anxious heart to take courage and do not fear. Behold, your God will come with vengeance. The recompense of God will come, but he will save you. Then the eyes of the blind will be opened and the ears of the deaf will be unstopped. Then the lame will leap like a deer and the tongue of the mute will shout for joy. Say joy. Joy. For waters will break forth in the wilderness and streams in Arabah. The scorched land will become a pool and the thirsty ground springs of water. In the haunt of jackals, its resting place, grass becomes reeds and rushes. A highway will be there, a roadway, and it will be called the highway of holiness. The unclean will not travel on it, but it will be for him who walks that way. And fools will not wander on it. No lion will be there, nor any vicious beast go up on it. These will not be found there, but the redeemed will walk there. And the ransomed of the Lord will return and come with joyful shouting to Zion, with everlasting joy upon their heads. They will find gladness and joy, and sorrow and sighing will flee away. Let's pray. Father God, we bless you this morning and praise your holy name, and we give you all thanks. And Lord, we know that true joy only comes from you and when we're in you. And so, Lord, bless us this morning with that joy. Lord, let not this world steal from us any longer the joy that you have for us, God. And so we praise you and give you all the glory for it. Lord, we pray that you will open up your word to us today. And no matter what I say, Lord God, the words that I speak will be yours. And Father God, the words that we read will be life to us. And you will show us things that we have never seen before. And we bless you for it and praise you and give you all glory. In Jesus' name and all God's people said amen. Amen. In that powerful psalm that David prays, 
where he's humbly calling on God to forgive him for his sins and to cleanse him of all unrighteousness. What we know is Psalm 51. We know that David does some of the worst things he could possibly do in the world. And when Nathan comes to him and says, you're that man, and he realizes who he really is, just like Isaiah in chapter 6 when he comes before the Lord and, and he gets before the Lord and he sees who he is and he says, Whoa, I've come undone. I'm a man of unclean lips and I live amongst the people of unclean lips. And David has that same epiphany, if you may, that he says, God, I realize now that I am that man. I'm that man that you chose and then I didn't choose you when the time came. And he asked for forgiveness. And he asked to be cleansed from all unrighteousness. Isn't it wonderful that God does that for us? And David says these words in verse 12. He says to me, he says to the Lord, Restore to me the joy of your salvation and sustain me with a willing spirit. Or as most of us would probably know that verse out of the King James, it says, Restore unto me the joy of your salvation and renew a right spirit within me. And David knows a lot of things. But even as he had forgotten who God was and got caught up in his sin and in his flesh and let that take over, he now realizes who God is and who he is before him. And he comes before the Lord once again and says, Restore unto me the joy of your salvation. Listen, when we sin, when we are disobedient, we lose the joy of the Lord. It's just a simple fact. And David is pleading with God to restore that joy unto me, Lord. I messed up. I know I messed up. We talked about last week, there's a confession. But there has to be a repentance. And there's a confession and a repentance from David. And he says, I messed up. Lord, would you restore this joy back to me? When Ezra, the priest, is proclaiming in Nehemiah the restoration of the Feast of Booths, we remember, if you, if you remember a few weeks ago, we talked about Nehemiah and how he was rebuilding the, the walls of Jerusalem. And when they got done, Ezra, the priest, simultaneously as all that was going on, that's why we say the books of Ezra and Nehemiah, but the priest, and we see Ezra kind of as the, I don't know what you want to call that, but the job boss, he's the, he's the practical guy. Nehemiah is the practical guy getting things done. And, and Ezra is the priest. And the, and the priest is now proclaiming Nehemiah before the Feast of Booths, as things are getting restored and we think about restoration. And that's where we get that verse that says, the joy of the Lord is our strength. Are you feeling weary this morning? No. Praise God, sister. Praise God. The joy of the Lord is our strength. And that sister's got joy this morning. Hallelujah. We talked last week that the simplified word for Advent is arrival. Today is the third Sunday of Advent, or the arrival of Christ. And the message of this Sunday is joy. The third Sunday of Advent is to talk about joy. 
Turn with me to Psalm 16. Psalm 16. Hallelujah. We bless you this morning, God. I'm going to read verses 1 through 11. Preserve me, O God, for I take refuge in you. I said to the Lord, you are my Lord. I have no good besides you. As for the saints who are in the earth, they are all majestic ones in whom is all my delight. The sorrows of those who have bartered for another God will be multiplied and I shall not pour out their drink offerings of blood, nor will I take their names upon my lips. The Lord is the portion of my inheritance and my cup. You support my lot. The lines have fallen to me in pleasant places. Indeed, my heritage is beautiful to me. I will bless the Lord who has counseled me. Indeed, my mind instructs me in the night. I have set the Lord continually before me because he is at my right hand and I will not be shaken. Therefore, my heart is glad and my glory rejoices or takes joy. My flesh also will dwell securely for you will not abandon my soul to Sheol, nor will you allow your Holy One to undergo decay. You will make known to me the path of life. In your presence is fullness of joy. In your right hand, there are pleasures forever. A few Saturday nights ago, Cheryl shared with the Orchard Bible Study group about the presence of the Lord and being in the presence of the Lord. In verse 11, it says here, in your presence is fullness of joy. So my word this morning to you, do you want the fullness of joy? What's the equation? Be in the presence of the Lord. Hallelujah. Bless you this morning, God. Last week, we also talked about John Baptist and how he was the forerunner of Christ and, and how his message was to was repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. And we talked about John's message of hope. And yes, he has a message of joy because after 400 years of silence, God once again speaks to his people. And I don't know about you, but for me, when it's always talked about with John Baptist, it's, it's almost talked in a harsh way that he has come before us and, and he has this uh, uh, message of, of sternness or or perhaps even view it as rough or tough. Like he's saying, repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand. And that's what we know John for. And, and, and you can almost hear that there's a sternness in it. God's been silent for 400 years. Every prophet that he spoke to was not a popular person. Prophets are not popular and Pastor Carl even hit on that too recently that it's one of the reasons the church really doesn't want to deal with prophets because the church of today wants a lot of comfort, right? But how many of you know God's people? We need comfort, but we need truth. And the prophets bring truth and John's bringing a word of truth and he's saying repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. And it doesn't sound like joyful news or it doesn't sound like hopeful news. But I want to share with you this morning that it's nothing but joy and it's nothing but hope. Because in reality, in some sense, no one really wants to be told what they're doing wrong and that they need to be 
corrected or that they need to be redirected or that they need to make a correction in their life. And today, nothing has changed. Today, we still do not receive correction very well. In fact, we have an entire culture that is so coddled, if you may, that if you speak the truth to them, they need a safe room at their university to go for more coddling. But that's a sermon for another day. John's word is somewhat stern. It seems that way. But when, when it gets down to being urgent and when it gets down to the news of salvation, when it gets down to the news of change for your sake, it's urgent. And that message comes off urgent. In reality, John's, John Baptist's message is one of hope and love and joy. For John Baptist is preparing the way for the Savior of the world. And there is no higher form of hope, love, and joy than the Lord of Lords, the King of Kings, Jesus Christ Himself, Emmanuel, God with us. John's message is tough. Sometimes you need a tough message. But everywhere we see in the Word of God, whenever He disciplines His children, He loves His children. His discipline is for you to turn so that you may do and receive what's best for you. And the Pharisees and the Sadducees and all the church of that day did not want to hear from John. They did not want to hear a message that he needed to change because they thought they were the church, if you may. And they thought they were fine. But John says to them, you need a Savior. We have the same message today. We see a world out there that wants nothing to do with the, with the gospel message because honestly, in America, with all the prosperity that we have, we believe that we're just fine. But when you look at suicide rate among teens, that's up 56% in the last 10 years. And when you see now that families with married parents is 18% in our nation. It's not 50%. Couples are 50%. But marriages are only 18% in our nation. We need a wake-up call. If there's going to be true revival, we need a John Baptist. Somebody say amen. amen. And his message is hope, love, and joy. And there's no higher form of hope and love and joy than our Christ. Turn in your Bibles to Luke 1. Luke 1. We closed with the scripture, this scripture last week, but I want to take a closer look at it this week. I felt like we had a lot of content. I felt like I had a lot of content last week. And I want to revisit some of this. It's important. I don't want to miss it. I don't want to miss the fact that uh, this prophet that came before the Lord with the message of salvation for the whole world get narrowed down to just a chapter in the Bible. It's much more than that. See, we're excited about Acts. We're excited about the works of the apostles. We're excited when we read the New Testament. We can't miss the fact that the world was dead and quiet and silent, and hadn't heard from God for 400 years. Luke 1, verse 5. In the days of Herod, king of Judah, there was a priest named Zacharias of the division of Abijah, and he had a wife 
from the daughters of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth. They were both righteous in the sight of God, walking blamelessly in all the commandments and requirements of the Lord. We read this very scripture last week, so this week I want to dissect it a little as we go. They were righteous in the sight of God, walking blamelessly in all the commandments and requirements of the Lord. And yet we're going to find out in just a few verses later that he did not believe God. And I contend to you that can be our heart, especially, and this is not picking on anyone, but especially if we've been in the faith a long time, and I'm not just talking about senior citizens because senior citizens, you could have been saved last year. You're a babe in the faith. But when you've been in the faith a long time, like we see that Zacharias has, he's steadfast. In fact, it says he was blameless and he was walking in the commandments and the requirements of the Lord. And sometimes we can be doing those things and we're going to learn but still not believe God. And so Pastor Bill would say, hey, everyone believes in God, but do you believe God? Do you believe that the words in these pages are life to you? Do you believe that there's healing available to us? Do you believe that there's miracles still available to us? Do you believe that there's prophecy and that there's, and that there's a teaching that we don't know about? And it says here, they were both righteous in the sight of God, walking blamelessly in the commandments and requirements of the Lord, but they had no child because Elizabeth was barren and they were both advanced in years. In verse 8, now it happened that while he was performing his priestly service before God in the appointed order of his division, according to the custom of the priestly office, he was chosen by lot to enter the temple of the Lord and burn incense. And all that says is just like us today, there's some of us that get here early. We open up the church and we turn the heat on and we turn the lights on and we set the musical equipment and everything else in place and we're, and we're doing the priestly duties, if you want to call it that. But how many of you know we could be dead as a doornail while we do it? If we're not careful, our heart can get hardened to what God has for us. And we just go through the motions. And I'm not accusing Zacharias of going through the motions, but I am accusing him of not believing God because that's what the scripture says. Verse 10, And the whole multitude of the people were in prayer outside at the hour of incense offering, and an angel of the Lord appeared to him standing to the right of the altar of incense. And Zacharias was troubled when he saw the angel, and fear gripped him. And wouldn't you be? But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zacharias. For your petition has been heard, and your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you will give him the name of John. And so this morning, my question to you is this. Are you petitioning God for something? Have you been years and years and years petitioning God for something? If you have, hang in there. And if you have, and the Lord decides to perform it, don't be unaware. Be ready. It 
says here you in 14, you will have joy and gladness and many will rejoice at his birth for he will be great in the sight of the Lord and he will drink no wine or liquor and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit while yet in his mother's womb. We talked about that last week. And he will turn many of the sons of Israel back to the Lord their God. Listen, John wasn't sent to save a person. He was sent to save a nation. And he did so. Jesus did the work, but John prepared the way. Verse 17, it is he who will go as a forerunner before him in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers back to the children and the disobedient to the attitude of righteousness so as to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. And Zacharias said to the angel, how will I know this for certain? For I am an old man and my wife is advanced in years. Verse 19, the angel answered and said to him, I am Gabriel who stands in the presence of God. And I have been sent to speak to you and to bring you this good news. And behold, you shall be silent and unable to speak until the day when these things take place because you did not believe my words which were fulfilled in their proper time. There are many people today in many churches who do not believe that God has angels. But our scriptures tell us that it's true. And Gabriel himself is standing before Zacharias. God's number one angel. Do you think this is important to God to get this message out? And Gabriel says, I am Gabriel who stand in the presence of God. Verse 21, the people were waiting for Zacharias and wondering at his delay in the temple. When he came out, he was unable to speak to them and they realized that he had seen a vision in the temple and he kept making signs to them and remained mute. And when the days of his priestly service were ended, he went back home. And after these days, Elizabeth, his wife, became pregnant and she kept herself in seclusion for five months saying, this is the way the Lord has dealt with me in the days when he looked with favor upon me to take away my disgrace among men. Next week, we're going to talk about Mary more, and we're going to talk about the birth of Christ, and it is the Christmas season, and we are going to spend some time on that. Let's look at verse 26 here, where it begins to talk about Jesus' birth being foretold. Now, in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city in Galilee called Nazareth, to a virgin engaged to a man whose name was Joseph, of the descendants of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And coming in, he said to her, Greetings, favored one, the Lord is with you. She was very perplexed at this statement and kept pondering what kind of salutation this was. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall name him Jesus. And he will be great and he will be called the son of the most high. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And his kingdom will have no end. And Mary said to the angel, how can this be since I am a virgin? And the angel answered and said to her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. And the power of the most high will overshadow you. And for that reason, the holy child shall be called the son of God. Behold, even your relative Elizabeth has also conceived a son in her old age, and she who was called barren is now in her sixth month. 
for nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary said, Behold, the bondslave of the Lord may be done to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. If you have the availability next Saturday night to tend the orchard, I know Pastor Bill is going to be speaking specifically about this visit to Mary. You won't want to miss it. There's something interesting here, and somebody even brought it up at the end of the service last week. And if you've been church for any amount of time, you've heard this time and time again. Well, why did when Zacharias questioned the angel, was he chastised and why when Mary questioned the angel she was not specifically it says that the angel knew that Zacharias did not believe it does not say that about Mary in fact our assumption is is that Mary was asking more about hey this is good with me just tell me how we're going to do it and Zacharias is saying ain't no way that's going to happen It's a question for us this morning in your ministry, in your walk, in your marriage, with your children that you've been praying for that will come to know the Lord. Do you believe? Or do you think it's too late or that you're too old or, or that maybe that's not realistic in your life and it's not going to happen? Or do you believe God and just say, God, show me the way because I want to see it and I'm all for it. Mary says, may it be done to me according to your word. We learn from the scriptures that John Baptist precedes Jesus in birth and in ministry. It says that, it says that Elizabeth is now six months pregnant by the time Mary gets this word of conception. We also see the simultaneous work that God is doing in the kingdom and we've discussed that here before and that's important to us. We're praying that God will bring revival to this area. We're praying that every church in this county, state, nation, however you want to put it, that God is at work. And we're believing that. We believe that the Holy Spirit doesn't just reside at one church or in one person or one group of people. God is at work and He is preparing things. And He's asking us to be prepared for the preparation, if you may. And so we see God is at work and he is, with, he is with Elizabeth and then he comes to Mary and he's with Mary and he's putting together a plan on how it's going to be 30 years from then. We know that John, it says, was in the wilderness for 20 plus years. How many of you feel like sometimes you're in the wilderness for 20 years? It's not over. Be encouraged. Have joy this morning. We don't understand his ways. His ways are not our ways. But we see this simultaneous work of God that's going on in the kingdom. And then we look at verse 39. Now at this time Mary arose and went in a hurry to the hill country to the city of Judah and entered the house of Zacharias and greeted Elizabeth. And when Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leaped in her womb and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. Why did the baby leap? Because it said that the boy would be full of the Holy Spirit. John was full of the Holy Spirit. The Christ of all the universe has arrived on the scene in Mary's belly. And guess what? John knows it. When Christ arrives in your life, 
You know it. You know it in your belly. 42, and she cried out with a loud voice and said, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And how has it happened to me that the mother of my Lord would come to me? For behold, when the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby leaped in my womb for joy. Say joy. And blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what had been spoken to her by the Lord. Listen to me. And blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what had been spoken to her by the Lord. You're all quiet this morning. You're scaring me. This is a word for you. Blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what had been spoken to her by the Lord. God has spoke to some of you with a word for your life. And again, I will quote Pastor Bill immensely, and I don't do that for any bad reason. I do it because that's what I know. And he would say, you believe in the word. You believe in God. But you must believe God. And so we move on now to verse 46, and this is called the Magnificent. And basically, it's a Latin translated to exalts. It's a song much like Hannah's song when she found that she was going to have a baby, Samuel. And Mary said, My soul exalts the Lord, and my spirit has rejoiced in God, my Savior, for he has regard for the humble state of his bond slave. For behold, from this time on all generations will count me blessed. For the Mighty One has done great things for me, and holy is His name. And His mercy is upon generation after generation toward those who fear Him. He has done mighty deeds with His arm. He has scattered those who were proud in the thoughts of their heart. He has brought down rulers from their thrones and has exalted those who were humble. And He has filled the hungry with good things and sent away the rich empty-handed. He has given help to Israel, His servant, in remembrance of His mercy as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham and his descendants forever. Verse 56, and Mary stayed with her about three months and then returned to her home. When I see this magnificent, I see in a very small way that this is how we should sing about our ministry. But you never thought of it that way before. And I didn't until I began to read this text. And Mary was given something in her belly. The Christ of all creation is going to come through her. The ministry, the word will go out from her. It's what we have when we have a ministry. I don't know what your ministry is. We've talked about that. The ministry is for out there. It's not for in here. Sure, we edify one another and we, and we lift one another up and we love the fellowship. But the reality of it is the ministry is not supposed to happen in here. It's supposed to happen out there. And Mary has something in her and she exalts the Lord for it. And in a small way, I think that's how it is with us. If you have a ministry in you, are you thanking God for it? Are you rejoicing in it? Do you understand that it can bless that person from generation to generation? 
His mercy is upon generation after generation toward those who fear him. He has done mighty deeds with his arms. He wants to do the same with us in our ministries. It says he has filled the hungry with good things. And sent away the rich empty-handed. He has given help to Israel, his servant. I shared in a previous sermon, there are three things necessary for your ministry to be successful. I want to reiterate them and reiterate them and reiterate them until it's ingrained in you so that you know what to do with the walk that you have. And that is a gifting, a calling, an anointing. Gifting, a calling, an anointing. God has gifted you. And the gifting is the ability to perform a specific task or a job at a, at a high level. I love, I love the fact that I used to work with a fella at a factory, but on the weekends we would work on cars. And, and, and he would open the hood of that car and he would get into that engine bay and he would begin to work. And his whole world just disappeared. It was his gift. He could, he could get that motor running or whatever it was the problem. He could see it, fix it, make it go, make it work. And it was a passion. It was a gifting of his. I've seen people who are able to go to those who perhaps are having marriage issues. And like Pastor Bill is gifted at that. At, for some reason, God has gifted him at teaching the word of God so that he can impart that into that married couple so that they can have a better marriage. Time and time again it happened. And that's a gifting. And we have giftings. And you have giftings. And you probably know what they are because it's what you're typically passionate about and what you love to do. And then there's a calling on your life. And this is the word that God gives you to perform the gift that he's given you. This is a calling. It says, I want you to do this. I need you to do this. It's when God calls you into whatever it is that you're going to do. And then there's anointing. And the anointing is the power of God's spirit over you. The anointing process of pouring the oil over. The priest would pour the oil over whomever to anoint them. That's what God wants to do in your life is to pour the oil of his goodness, of his spirit all over you so that you will be anointed. And we see people who are gifted and have no anointing and there's no fruit. Or we see people that are gifted and even have an anointing, but they're not walking in their calling and there's no fruit. And we even see people who are anointed, but not walking in their calling and there's no fruit. Jeff James was here last night. Jeff's a friend of mine. He played the piano and sang some Christmas carols for our, for our dinner last night. And Jeff and I have been talking about ministry for some time. And I heard something out of him last week or two weeks ago that blessed me. We were talking about ministry and he said, I don't know what it is, but I've been called to the city of Seaford. And he's at St. John's Church, United Methodist Church in Seaford. And that's where he's at. And they've already asked him to be an associate pastor there. And he's beginning to walk in his calling. And he's gifted teacher and preacher and so now we pray for his anointing that he changes that city. He's been on the streets of Seaford in places where you're scared to go ministering the gospel recently. And it was good news for me to hear that he was called there. Because folks, when you realize that 
there's a calling on your life and you begin to walk on that calling, that's when the fulfillment begins to happen in your life. Mary's song, Magnificent, should also be our song of what the Lord has done in us and what he will do us. Today I want to finish just by going back to John Baptist one more time. Turn to Luke 3, if you will. I'm going to read 10 through 16. The crowds were questioning him, saying, Then what shall we do? And he would answer and say to them, The man who has two tunics is to share with him who has none, and he who has food is to do likewise. Some tax collectors also came to be baptized. And they said to him, Teacher, what shall we do? And he said to them, Collect no more than what you have been ordered to. Verse 14, And some soldiers were questioning him, saying, What about us? What shall we do? And he said to them, Do not take money from anyone by force or accuse anyone falsely, and be content with your wages. Verse 15, Now while the people were in a state of expectation, heard that word this morning a couple times, And all were wondering in their hearts about John as to whether he was the Christ. And John said to them all, As for me, I baptize you with water, but one is coming who is mightier than I, and I am not fit to untie the thong of his sandals. And he will baptize you with Holy Spirit and with fire. John's message is not only one of repent and turn, but you can see the evidence of what begins to happen to him as he preaches the gospel. People come to him and say, what do I do? He says, steal no more. Give food to the hungry. Someone has no coat, give them a coat. It's the golden rule. It sometimes is made fun of in this society. But John's message is not only one of repent and turn, but to show evidences by doing the right thing. In fact, his message is not only doing the right thing, it's doing it in the right way. And that's something only the Spirit of God can bring to us. Because there's a lot of charitable givers in this world. But I'm convinced they're not given for the right reasons. Some of you know who I'm talking about. Some of the gazillionaires that make themselves feel better by giving to others. And at the same time denying the God that's blessed them with all the things that they do have. Let's close with Matthew chapter 3. Bless you, Lord, this morning we give you glory, Father. Speak to our hearts this morning, God. Matthew chapter 3. Hallelujah. Read verses 11 through 17. It's another account here from Matthew. It's from John Baptist. And he says, As for me, I baptize you with water for repentance. But he who is coming after me is mightier than I, and I am not fit to remove his sandals. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand and he will thoroughly clear his threshing floor. And he will gather his wheat into his barn, but he will burn up the chaff with an unquenchable fire. Then Jesus arrived from Galilee at the Jordan coming to John to be baptized by him. But John tried to prevent him saying, I have need to be baptized by you. And do you come to me? Verse 15, but Jesus answered and said to him, Permit it at this time, for in this way it is fitting for us to fulfill all 
righteousness than he permitted him. Can I share with you this morning that God has a way that's fitting for you to not get ahead of the Lord. Trust him. Wait on him. Be patient on the Lord. Verse 16. After being baptized, Jesus came up immediately from the water and behold, the heavens were open and he saw the Spirit of God descending as a dove and lightning on him and lighting on him. And behold, a voice out of the heavens said, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Next week, we'll turn our focus on Mary and the birth of our Savior I hope you've gotten something out of John Baptist and his ministry and that it's not just a quick chapter in the Bible, but that it's a very important occasion in the Lord. I'm going to read from Isaiah 55. If you want to, you can turn there with me. Isaiah 55. And this is the word of the Lord this morning. Seek the Lord. While he may be found, call upon him while he is near. Let the the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts. And let him return to the Lord. And he will have compassion on him and to our God. For he will abundantly pardon. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways. And my thoughts higher than your thoughts. For as the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return there without watering the earth and making it bare and sprout and furnishing seed to the sower and bread to the eater, so will my word be which goes forth from my mouth. It will not return to me empty or void without accomplishing what I desire and without succeeding in the matter for which I sent it. For you will go out with joy And be led forth with peace. The mountains and the hills will break forth into shouts of joy before you. And all the trees of the fields will clap their hands. Let's pray. Father God, we love this scripture. We love that you go before us, God. We love that your word does not return void. We love that when you speak something, it's truth. We love that when you speak it, it comes to fruition, that it is complete and perfect. And Father, we pray today that we'll trust your word, Lord. And as you send us off into ministry, as we go out on the byways and the highways and our workplaces and our homes, Lord God, that we will perform those priestly duties as fathers and and that we will love like mothers. And Lord, that we will... Show the world that there's a Jesus who loves them and cares for them. And they need not go through this world alone and they certainly need not end up in hell. And so, Lord God, we bless you this morning and praise you. And we thank you for John Baptist. We thank you that he came before you and that he made a way and prepared a nation to hear from you, Lord God. And that when you arrived, the table was set. And Lord, you were able to walk out your ministry. We thank you, Lord God, that you chose Mary, such a humble person, a person who would say, Lord, as your word says, do it unto me, a person who was obedient to what you wanted to do, God. Lord, may we be like Mary. May we say, yes, Lord, make it so. 
Father, we praise you and give you glory. We thank you for this place, Lord, as we move forward to this Christmas season. Lord God, I pray that you do something special in us. Pray that we will have thoughts in our minds about the love of Christ that we can't let go of. No matter what we run into in the hustle and the bustle of it all, Lord God, that we will be able to lay it down and thank you for every good gift from above. We give you all this glory, praise, and honor in Jesus' name. And God's people said, Amen. Amen. And if anybody here needs prayer or healing or anybody here wants to declare their life ready to be received by Jesus in the sense of being saved, the altar's open. Help yourselves. Otherwise, bless you. You're dismissed. We'll talk to you guys next week. Thanks. Thank you so much for joining us for today's message. You know, we would love to invite you to come and visit us in person sometime. If you're ever in our area, you can find us at 415 Union Street in Milton, Delaware, where we have prayer and worship services on Wednesday evenings at 7 p.m., Bible study on Saturday evenings at 7 p.m., and a Sunday morning worship service at 10.30 a.m. We would love to minister to your children as well. We offer children's church during the adult service. Children are excused to go back to their classes right after the worship time. You can also find more information about us on the web at unionstreetmeetinghouse.org or on Facebook at Union Street Meeting House. So we look forward to sharing the message with you next week. Hope you'll return to this podcast. Thank you so much and God bless you.